engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. It is 5.09. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB and Atlanta's Evening News. We're even broadcasting live on YouTube of all things an aggressive heterojock zone. Now let's get into the news of the day. Uh, the news of the day begins with Paul Manafort's raid by the FBI this morning. It's true. A pre-dawn raid of Paul Manafort. Now, it is not a coincidence. I don't care who you are and I don't care what you think. It is not a coincidence that the National Enquirer is running a story that Paul Manafort has had some sort of sex scandal when this happens. It's not. And you know how I know it's not? A week before Mike Flynn was fired by the president... The National Enquirer ran a hit job on Mike Flynn. Now the National Enquirer is running a hit job on Paul Manafort. Donald Trump and the publisher of National Enquirer are very good friends. They protected Donald Trump during the campaign and ran hit jobs on Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump's opponents. The fact that the National Enquirer is going after Paul Manafort is a big, big red flag that... Donald Trump is turning on Paul Manafort. So we have a pre-dawn raid of the FBI. You know, this actually confirms, I think, uh, at least it comports with what I've been told by various sources who know what's going on with the grand jury and with the uh, special prosecutor's investigation. I've been told, and I've told you guys this before, that the investigators... They've been looking not at Donald Trump and not at Donald Trump's family, but they've been looking at ancillary figures like Paul Manafort, like Carter Page, like uh, what's his name, Mike Flynn. So Manafort, Carter Page, Mike Flynn, I'm being told those are the people that are being looked at. It really, at this point, has nothing to do with the president and his family. It has everything to do with any ancillary deals these individuals might have had, any business dealings these people might have had. And you see, uh, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, has said if Robert Mueller wants to expand the scope of his investigation, he would need to get permission from the Department of Justice. Well, he would not need to get permission from the Department of Justice if he referred these individuals to a grand jury and let the grand jury continue to investigate them. If he found enough stuff to raise all sorts of red flags and pass them off to the grand jury, at this point it would have nothing to do with the campaign, but it would have everything to do with them. Now, there's kind of a delicious irony here. The entire 2018 Democratic argument for handing Congress back to the Democrats is the president stole the election. If they're looking at Paul Manafort and Carter Page and Mike Flynn, it's looking less and less like they're looking at the president stealing the election and more and more like these individuals were somehow engaged in nefarious dealings with the Russians spying on the Trump campaign or doing something else with the Russians that we don't know. There's where your red flag should be, not that the president stole the election. Listen, I still think the whole president stole the election theory is nonsense from Democrats who can't get over the fact that Hillary Clinton lost the election. So phone number 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. Uh, you can watch us on the YouTube live stream at uh, youtube.com slash EW Erickson. Also, 
Uh, I would be negligent if I did not remind you guys you can sign up for the daily email by texting WSB to 444-999. You'll get my daily email where you would have found out about this Paul Manafort stuff uh, as it was breaking this morning. Manafort, if you will recall, before he worked for President Trump's campaign, was essentially a Kremlin enforcer in Eastern European countries. Manafort was a hired gun that was brought in to win elections in Ukraine and elsewhere, and he had a habit of siding with the totalitarian despots that Moscow liked. In fact, there was an email exchange, if you'll remember, his his daughter's cell phone was uncovered and a hacker posed as someone that the family would have known and allegedly, allegedly I say here, keyword, got the daughter to confess uh, that she didn't much care for her father and he worked with the Kremlin bullies and did all sorts of illegal, nefarious things to prop up totalitarian dictators in Eastern Europe. Um, That was the press report at the time. Well, it looks like perhaps the Mueller team is looking at this. Now, here's the other thing. If Manafort was collaborating with Russians behind the scenes without the president's knowledge, that would make the president a victim, too. Democrats won't like that. Democrats are positively convinced that the president was working with the Kremlin, but there is no evidence of this. And I do have to tell you, even if there was evidence of collaboration, it's not a crime. You may not like it. It may be unethical. It may be something you wish hadn't happened. It may be that essentially the the election was stolen, where we use the word steal loosely, but it's not a crime. There is no evidence out there that the Russians actually stole the election. There is no evidence out there that the Russians actually uh, stole votes. Uh, What the Democrats are arguing now, they keep moving the goalposts on this, and they've moved the goalposts to the point now where they have concluded that what the Russians did is they didn't steal the election. It's just that they were able to persuade those 70,000 people in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, that without the Russians, these 70,000 people would not have been persuaded to vote for Donald Trump. Now, the evidence that this is bull malarkey comes from Hillary Clinton herself, who did not campaign in Wisconsin. She did not campaign in Wisconsin. Hillary Clinton spent more resources devoting to, devoted to Texas than she did to Wisconsin. She thought she had it in the bag, and she didn't absolutely nonsense to think that the Russians stole this election. And what this is doing for the Democrats is preventing them from actually coming to terms with the fact that their candidate was terrible. Not only is it preventing them from coming to terms with the fact that their candidate was terrible, but what it is also doing is reinforcing their echo chamber that they're victims and that they've been done wrong. And as a result, they're becoming angrier and angrier and more hostile and more bitter. And we're seeing this even in things like what's happening with Google. James Demore being fired. There's actually news on that front today. Uh, some real evidence, I think, that we can now say for certain why James Demore was fired, and it really didn't have anything to do with his memo. It had to do with him essentially being the kid who said the emperor had no clothes. And in uh, Google Stan, instead of the kid uh, getting off with a slap on the wrist, the kid loses his head. That's essentially what it amounted to. The social justice warriors at Google now feel emboldened and hell hath no fury like a humorless social justice warrior. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. It is 25 past the hour. 
this Google story continues to manifest itself. Uh, what's happening today at that company is crazy, and there's some data out that suggests that things are not actually well at Google. It turns out they have spent upwards of a billion dollars on diversity. Yeah, with a B. And they're still a 75% white male company. So there really isn't diversity at Google. So here comes James Damore and essentially writes a memo saying you're doing it wrong. There are ways to do this and you're not doing the right things to increase diversity. And what happens? The social justice warriors come out after him. In fact, there are Google employees today, female Google employees who are saying they're compiling lists of employees who need to be fired for not being supportive of diversity enough. In fact, one of them even wanted to know, openly speculated on social media and in an internal Google chat room for their company, if they needed a trial first, did they need to put this person on trial? The Inquisition has returned. The social justice warrior Inquisition and the feminist wannabe Torquemada. These people are nuts. They really are. They are unhinged and insane and they're humorless feminists i mean they've got comfortable shoes all feminists wear comfortable shoes but they put on the comfortable shoes and they lose their humor i have no idea why feminists are humorless miserable people i mean feminism though modern feminism i should say there's a big difference from from old school feminism where women just actually wanted to go to work and and be treated respectfully and civilly and equally in, in the workforce well they've got that so now they have to come up with a list of grievances to actually perpetuate and fund the machine that funds feminism and they've become bitter angry people jealous of other women's success i mean that is yes their underwear may be too tight you never know I mean, good gracious, did you hear Ashley Judd, so, somebody, some TSA agent called her sweetheart at the airport? She lost it on the person, absolutely lost it on the person. What a humorless, humorless, unhappy person she is. Jealous of her sister's success, by the way. She is. Just like a lot of these angry feminists are jealous of other women's success. That's what feminism has become in this country. Angry women jealous of other women's success. And now at Google, they're out to get anyone who isn't sufficiently bitter and unhappy with them. The whole social justice warrior thing. There's this article. I referenced it yesterday. I guess filling in for Herman yesterday. Uh, the, the, the YA market, the, the youth market for, for books. Uh, these people are, they're a bunch of social justice warriors and they've decided that if you're a white woman, for example, you're only allowed to write a book about white women. But then when you write the book about white women, they're going to attack you for not being diverse enough. I know I'm not kidding. I mean, it, it is just, uh, Kafka would be proud of the modern social justice warriors. Crazy. When we come back, we got to get into North Korea. General Mattis. Well, he's the grown up in the room. Thirty-nine after the hour, Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, Atlanta's evening news. Let's talk about North Korea a bit. Uh, we had this interesting situation yesterday. So word comes out that the North Koreans have miniaturized a nuclear bomb. They're able to put it on top of an intercontinental ballistic missile. We now know they have developed intercontinental ballistic missiles that can reach Alaska, Hawaii, and the American West Coast. 
So they've developed this thing and they can deploy it. The president of the United States then comes out with a statement that basically he would rain down fire on North Korea if they keep threatening us. Not if they use it, but if they keep threatening us. Within an hour of the president's statement, North Korean state-run television came on and said the North Koreans were thinking of using their new weapons on Guam, an American territory. That hasn't tipped over, Hank Johnson. It's still there, just so you know, Hank Johnson. Guam hasn't tipped over. The North Koreans might want to tip it over, but it's still there. So the president said if the North Koreans threatened us, he would rain down fire on them. The North Koreans threatened us and the president hasn't done anything yet. And I gotta tell you, a lot of my friends on the right have heartburn about the president's statement. I don't, I really don't. This isn't a, a, a rah-rah sort of thing, but I'm kinda glad to see a president of the United States stand up and very bluntly say, we will annihilate you. And that is what General Mattis has done today. Mad Dog Mattis, the now Secretary of Defense, former highly regarded Marine General, has issued a statement saying to North Korea that we will end you. You will be gone, removed from the map, if you do anything. Now, I, and it is worth pointing out, the reason we are in this situation is because three consecutive presidential administrations failed to stop North Korea. Republicans and Democrats alike failed to stop North Korea. Bill Clinton structured a deal and, you know, we got to for everyone who wants to just just heap all of the blame on Bill Clinton. We do need to point out that Jimmy Carter did undermine him a bit. Uh, Jimmy Carter scuttled, helped ruin the deal. Jimmy Carter essentially told the North Koreans we didn't really mean it. Uh, he, he negotiated more money for them. Carter is just Carter is such a terrible, terrible president. He really was. He, if he would just go off and build habitat for humanity houses, uh, everybody would be okay. But Jimmy Carter fancies himself some sort of negotiator, and he's a terrible negotiator. He couldn't get the hostages released from Iran. He couldn't do anything. And yet he still fancies himself something. He just needs to go away. But Bill Clinton was the president who signed off on the bad deal. And the North Koreans continued to build nuclear weapons. Develop them, I should say. Where did they get the uranium from anyway? Hmm, Iran, Iran, yeah. George W. Bush took up the flag, and George W. Bush tried to negotiate a multilateral solution, bringing the Chinese to the table. Uh, they tried one-on-one -on -one negotiations with North Korea. That didn't work. They wanted multilateral negotiations with China. The Chinese didn't want to participate. It took them forever. They did it, and guess what didn't work? Barack Obama decided he, too, would take on the North Koreans and try to stop their nuclear procurement. It didn't work. And now it appears the Norks have a nuke and they want to use it on us. So Donald Trump has to deal with the failure of his three predecessors. Will he? We'll find out. <laughs> I don't know where this is. Oh my gosh. Uh, there's a Walmart somewhere. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm putting this on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm, I'm retweeting this. Somewhere there is a Walmart selling rifles. And the rifles are being sold under a sign that says 
own the school year like a hero. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is a Walmart selling guns underneath a sign that says own the school year like a hero. I just retweeted this. You can you can go to yeah, twitter.com slash Erickson and see it for yourself. It is a Walmart. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have no idea who thought that was a who 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 thought this was a good idea, um, but there you have it. Yes, own the school year like a hero. Buy a long barrel rifle at Walmart. Uh, my kid does want to be on the rifle team at our school. We we have a rifle team at our school, but that's not exactly what I think this is implying. So. Also, you should know Franklin is the first hurricane of the Atlantic season. Franklin has developed. Uh, it looks like it is headed towards Mexico. It is no threat to us. I'm starting to worry that there's going to be so many clouds on Eclipse Day that none of us are going to be able to see the eclipse. Fifty-four after the hour. I have said several times that the media is now going out of its way to salaciously report stories about Russia to make them more than they are. There's one out there, but before I get there, I first want to go to the phones and go to Doug and Sonoya. Welcome, Doug. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. <clears throat> I just I've heard this, and I haven't looked into it to see if it's true or not. But I've heard that since the Korean War. There was never a treaty signed, so technically the United States and North Korea are still at war. Yes. Okay, just I haven't heard it reported and thought that might be uh, interesting. Yeah, they they entered a ceasefire agreement, but they never actually entered a treaty agreement after the Korean War. They technically continued their state of war, but agreed to uh, hold lines and establish a a perimeter zone, a a neutral zone between them, uh, where both sides uh, planted a bunch of landmines so neither side could cross. But we're still technically uh, at a state of war with North Korea and have been since the end of the Korean War. Thank you very much. Yep, absolutely, Doug. Sure. Yep. Um, Now, this Russia story, this is CNN. An unarmed Russian Air Force aircraft overflew the U.S. Capitol, the Pentagon, Central Intelligence Agency, and Joint Base Andrews at low altitude on Wednesday. (gasps) Scandal! The Russians are flying. Donald Trump is letting the Russians fly over Washington and surveil us. Turns out it's a longstanding treaty. There are a number of countries involved in the treaty, and it's called the Treaty on Open Skies. It allows military aircraft from the United States, Russia, and other nations to fly aerial observation flights over military sites of the 34 signatory nations. In fact, the Open Skies Treaty has been in effect since 2002, and there have been over 1,200 flights. It allows verification of compliance with arms control agreements. But Russia, it's Russia. The Russians are flying over Washington, people. The Russians are flying over Washington. Oh, my gosh. Donald Trump, he sold out our airspace to the Russians. No, it's nothing to do with that. In fact, uh, the Russian Air Force jet that flew over was uh, landed at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas. And guess what? There were American Air Force 
representatives, personnel on the flight with the Russians. It was a joint flight. Uh, this, But, you know, the media wants to play up all these stories. Any tie, any possible tie to the Russians that they can possibly make, the media wants to do this. It just, it, it drives me crazy. It really does. Um, it, it's such a manufactured level of outrage by the media these days they know it's going to get them ratings they know people are going to blame the president they know that um all of these things are are going to work people up into a frenzy it's just it's frustrating it really is now when we come back let's switch gears the president has made an endorsement in the senate race in alabama and it surprised a lot of people. At the same time, he's lashing out at Mitch McConnell uh, for something Mitch McConnell said about him. And a lot of senators are starting to grumble about McConnell. I'll tell you what I know when we come back. It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. Welcome, one and all. We move from YouTube to Facebook as well. You can stream all over the place these days. Uh, light rain inside the perimeter in parts. Uh, light rain headed into the Dallas and Powder Springs area as well. Otherwise, radar mostly clearer this evening. The storm's starting to wind down for the night. Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell are fighting a Twitter war of words to a degree. The president trying to be a little bit respectful. Mitch McConnell saying that the president, uh, well, you know what? Let me actually get to twitter.com slash real Donald Trump. So uh, Mitch McConnell accusing the president of having excessive expectations. The president retweeting four hours ago, Senator Mitch McConnell said I had excessive expectations, but I don't think so. After seven years of hearing repeal and replace, why not done? Uh, amen and amen and amen again. But President Trump has endorsed Luther Strange in the Alabama Republican primary against Roy Moore and Mo Brooks. There is not a chance a Democrat wins. Why on earth would the president support Luther Strange, who is a McConnell flunky in the Senate? See, this is the problem. The president is not draining the swamp doing these sorts of things. The president of the United States is, is not going to help the situation. Luther Strange is a, a hack who may be corrupt, who convinced the Alabama legislature to not impeach the governor of Alabama until after the governor of Alabama appointed Luther Strange to the United States Senate to replace Jeff Sessions. It looks like Luther Strange is headed into a runoff with Judge Roy Moore. Judge Roy Moore, formerly the Supreme Court Chief Justice in Alabama. They've been fighting Mo Brooks. Luther Strange has been piling on Mo Brooks. Uh, Mo Brooks has been supported by a lot of conservatives. Uh, Sean Hannity has supported him. Um, uh, Mark Levin is supporting Mo Brooks. Uh, pretty significant conservative endorsements for Mo Brooks. But Mo Brooks is in third largely because Luther Strange has been piling on attacking Mo Brooks. Why? Because he's pretty sure he can take out Roy Moore in a runoff. 
Uh, he didn't think he could take off, uh, take out uh, Mo Brooks on a runoff. So we got the situation where Luther Strange is now endorsed by a president. Luther Strange will do anything he can to prop up Mitch McConnell. The president firing at Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell firing back at the president. But the president's point remains valid. We do not have a wall funded. We do not have Obamacare repealed. The Mitch McConnell plan never would have even repealed Obamacare. And now Mitch McConnell is, is planning on a bailout of Obamacare, not a repeal of Obamacare. Mitch McConnell needs to go as leader. You've, you've got moderate and conservative Republicans in the Senate now openly questioning Mitch McConnell. They should. They absolutely should. The President of the United States should not have supported Luther Strange. He should not have supported Luther Strange because Luther Strange is not going to fight for the president. He's not going to fight for conservatives. He's not going to be a conservative. He's going to be an establishment Republican politician who does whatever Mitch McConnell tells him to do. Whoever is advising the president on this gave the president terrible advice. He should not have listened. Mo Brooks or Roy Moore would be vastly better Mo Brooks or Roy Moore would push on Mitch McConnell. Mo Brooks has actually come out and said that Mitch McConnell shouldn't be leader in the Senate anymore, that he wouldn't support him. I have no idea why the president thought to do this. The president's supporters are even grumbling about it openly now, that he shouldn't have done it. Someone clearly giving him bad advice. But this war with the Senate and the House, there's more to this. By the way, the president's statement about responding to North Korea, I started to say North Carolina, <laughs> North Korea would be met with fire and fury. He didn't tell anyone he was going to do that. I like the statement. I'm glad he said it. A lot of friends of mine aren't. A lot of friends of mine think it probably gave South Korea heartburn. It probably did give South Korea heartburn. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he said it. I don't have a problem with it. But I do think he probably should have told someone that that's what he wanted to tweet. He probably should have told General Kelly. And, and you know, I said last week that we would be able to measure General Kelly's success by what the president tweets. And I think um, despite now, there are a lot of people who wish the president wouldn't tweet at all. I think it's too much to ask for this president not to tweet. And I actually, I, I don't have a problem with what he has tweeted thus far. I don't. I really don't. But I, I do kind of think that he might need to be a little more careful. I do, however, think that there are signs of success with General Kelly in this. The president is tweeting, but he's much more guarded in what he tweets. He's not as bombastic in what he tweets, even now that he's on vacation and he's not really seeing General Kelly every well, he is seeing General Kelly most every day. Not every day though. He's not not with him all the time. He's been much more judicious in how he tweets. But the fact that he tweeted fire and fury against North Korea without talking to his Secretary of Defense, his Secretary of State, his national security advisor or his chief of staff probably wasn't advisable, even though I don't have a problem with what he tweeted. He probably should have talked to experts. You know, whether you want to admit it or not, no president is an expert on everything. And one of the delicate situations we have to deal with in the North Korean situation is in many Asian cultures, particularly Korea and China, You've got to be able to allow them a safe diplomatic retreat for their character. 
if you draw bright lines and make it impossible for them to walk it back without being shamed, they're not going to walk it back. They are going to escalate and try to make you walk it back. They're, they're willing to walk it back. China is often willing to walk things back. But you have to phrase your statements in such a way and, and frame the situation in such a way that they are allowed to walk it back gracefully maintaining their character and dignity. And see, what, what's happened here is the president said to North Korea, if you threaten us again, we will rain down fire and fury upon you. That didn't really leave North Korea any sort of situation, not that I think they would have taken it. But they immediately threatened us again. They said they wanted to do this on Guam. The problem now is that the president told North Korea that he would rain down fire and fury if they threatened us. They threatened us, and the president has not rained down fire and fury. Now, to you and me and to most Western cultures, that's not a big idea. But in Korean culture, that's signaling a huge weakness on our president's behalf now, that our president is not a man of his word, that our president will not do that. The president overstepped his bounds in doing this. And had he talked to an expert, uh, they would have let him know that him doing this, him tweeting that, would cause North Korea to do a threat, knowing that the president wouldn't do anything, and that would expose him in Asian culture, North Korea, South Korea, Japan, China, Taiwan, that would expose him as not being a man of his word, that he would not be a, a, a man capable of living up to his threats. That's why he probably shouldn't have done it. Again, I don't have a problem with him having said it. I wish he would rain down fire and fury on North Korea. I wish he would wipe them off the map uh, before they start putting these things on ballistic missiles. I mean, they, they appear on the process of putting these things on ballistic missiles. We might as well wipe them out now. As the president himself said in 1999 to Tim Russert, we're going to be dealing with this now or later. Would you rather deal with it now before they're on a missile or after when they've put it on a missile? I would rather them go on and do it now. Y'all, well, you're not allowed to like Wonder Woman anymore. It was an awesome movie. I, I think that Wonder Woman was one of the better superhero movies to come out in a long time. Spider-Man Homecoming, I think, was slightly better. Um, but it was, it was great. It was definitely the best DC movie they've had since the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight series. I mean, the Superman versus Batman Drek, awful. But you can't like it anymore. Even if you like this movie, you can't like it anymore. Because the Koch brothers helped fund it. I know. The evil, awful Koch brothers, they, they, they helped fund the movie. And now feminists, I, I, this is not a joke, feminists are coming forward saying, well, I didn't really like the movie anyway. I just felt like I had to like it because it was the first woman superhero, but I didn't like it anyway. It was overrated. <laughs> yes. Let, let me, let me, this is, this is from Christina Kotaruki. I have no idea. She is a Slate writer. Of course, this is at Slate. I did not find Wonder Woman to be the tear-jerking feminist masterwork so many of my colleagues and contemporaries claim to have seen. To me, the movie baited women into the theater with some heavy-handed, surface-level empowerment shtick, then gave us 180 minutes of jokes about how sexy, half-dressed women are when they know how to fight. 
that normally wouldn't have bugged me so much. Blockbuster movies or blockbuster movies and superhero movies are among the most formulaic. If critics and lay viewers and men's rights activists alike hadn't made this movie out to be some kind of monumental step for womankind. Of course, Wonder Woman wouldn't star an average-looking, bulked-up fighter because they don't look hot on movie posters. Of course, the titular character would sleep with the first man she meets in her entire life because otherwise people might think an athlete from an all-woman island was a lesbian. I don't think many, if any, of the people extolling Wonder Woman's feminist bona fides believe that supporting the film meant they were supporting feminist causes in any significant way. And the Koch brothers did something to it. The Koch brothers, they helped fund it. The Koch brothers aren't the first right-wing puppeteers to invest in a corporation that produces seemingly feminist product. And Wonder Woman is far from the only girl power movie to enrich men working hard to make the world a harder place for women. Again, modern feminism is ugly women jealous at other women's success. That is what modern feminism is. Uh, And she also doesn't like Mad Max Fury Road because it's phony feminism too. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson here, 39 after the hour, the phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. I I want to go back to a a story, well, I think Chris mentioned it, yeah, Chris did mention it briefly, and the AJC has something on this. This is Kendrick Johnson, and that name may not be familiar to you. The story may not be familiar to you. This is the the 17-year-old in Valdosta, Georgia, who fell behind a um, fell behind bleachers in like a gym mat area, and got trapped there. And the school apparently had retractable bleachers, and no one knew it was there. They closed up on him, and he suffocated to death. They found his body. Um, the best that investigators could tell is that he was is some shoes had fallen back there and he was reaching to get the shoes lost his balance and fell back there was stuck pinned and um, suffocated his parents were convinced that he had been murdered in fact they named uh, Brian and Brandon Bell uh, two uh, two students and said that they had done it and they that they concocted in their heads this elaborate conspiracy the school superintendent was involved the former sheriff was involved uh the superintendent's daughter had enlisted the father to discover the body of the student uh Ken, kendrick johnson it was a it was a terrible sad story the parents just convinced it wasn't an accident he had to have been murdered and a judge is now ordering the parents and their lawyer to pay $300,000 in attorney's fees to those they accused of, of killing their son. Here's what strikes me about this, and this isn't in the report. I distinctly remember several news organizations treating this seriously. I... I I want to say it was 60 Minutes, but don't hold that to me. It was one of the news magazine shows on TV 
ran a story about this and, and alleged there might be a cover-up. The Department of Justice was looking into it, possible civil rights violations. They, they were. The, the parents used essentially a PR team uh, to drum up the story that their son had been murdered and, and the local white folks were covering it up. I mean, that's essentially what the story became. And that's how the media ran with it, is that there was a the, the, the racial wounds opened in Valdosta, Georgia. It was a tragic accident. I, I feel terrible for his parents. They lost their son. But the media could not help themselves running the story and scandalizing the story, blowing it out of proportion into something that it wasn't. The media could not help themselves. And there will be some people who remember the story, remember the media coverage, remember the news magazine stories, who aren't going to hear now that a judge has ordered the parents to pay this money that a, a federal investigation determined that there was no evidence or at least not beyond a reasonable doubt that the kid had actually been murdered. The, the local sheriff had determined he wasn't murdered. The, the state investigated wasn't murdered. The federal government said they, they can't show that he was murdered. But the media blew the story up in 2014 hugely, salaciously. They covered it gave it massive coverage. It was in newspapers, it was in magazines, it was on television. When are they going to walk it back? Yeah, a buddy of mine just texted me, the father of one of the boys accused was an FBI agent. All of that came into this. Lives were ruined by the media attention. Where do these people go to get their reputation back? The media couldn't help themselves in this. And it is a testament to expert PR campaigns, particularly with the media. People in PR know the media loves a good story of a victim and a victimizer. That's how the media narrates. It goes beyond liberal bias. The media major bias is victim versus victim victimizer. Here's a kid who was allegedly murdered, possible white kids involved, one of them their dad, an FBI agent, the, 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 the daughter of a school superintendent, all complicit, the local sheriff, all complicit. And none of it was true. Someone out there has this lingering idea in their head about Valdosta and South Georgia and the racists and this murdered kid because they saw it on TV and they're never going to see the correction. They're never going to hear that the story didn't pan out. They're never going to hear. Turns out all the investigators have now concluded there was no murder. That's pathetic. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Have you heard about the a doctor now? This is on the Drudge Report I'm seeing is advised that kids playing football should be considered child abuse. I got to tell you, my wife before we had kids, she she really wanted our first child to be a boy and uh she wasn't. Evelyn was born first, Gunner was born second. And Christy used to talk about being able to go to the kids' football games and all this. And as, as we've now had a son, she's really not all that excited by the idea of him playing football. Now, he doesn't want to play football. He wants to do golf and he wants to do baseball. But there definitely has been a concerted PR campaign over the years to really ruin the image of football. And football hasn't done itself any favors. The NFL hasn't done itself any favors with the brain injuries and whatnot. And high school football deaths from heat stroke and coaches. Uh, football has gotten a terrible, terrible um, reputation. It's still religion in the South. It's not going to go away. I still love to watch college football. 
And the season is almost here. Thank God. I am so ready for college football to start. But for doctors to say it's child abuse, you know, let's let's not forget that uh, pediatric medicine these days, psych, psychology, psychiatry, they're all politicized. The whole getting things out of DSM, like transgenderism now, no longer mental health, all this stuff, it, it, they're all politicized lobbying campaigns. It's We have politicized science and we have politicized medicine in this country. We haven't done it. The left has done it. They have politicized all these things. It is harder and harder for people to find out what's true because so many people have politicized these things. And now you have doctors saying letting your kids play football is child abuse. The doctor, we shouldn't listen to him. It is 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Uh, rain, well, kind of in the area. It's it's south of Douglasville and a little bit in the Austell area inside the perimeter. It's light, folks. Uh, really nothing to worry about if you're out there. There is some heavy stuff in Alabama coming over into the area. Y'all, <laughs> um, if you have children in the car, I will be delicate, but you're warned. The BBC, the evening news at the BBC. Um, you know how when you, you when you watch a lot of the, um, news stations, they've got their wall of TV screens in the back where you see all of the different TVs on for basically every network, and they're they're somewhat blurry. Um, it, but it, it's it's basically it's it's essentially sending you the signal that the news station they're paying attention to everything, even their competitors. They're paying attention. Well, the BBC does that with their uh, big broadcasts, uh, their their evening news broadcast or their their ten o'clock news broadcast. Well, if you were watching the BBC last night at ten o'clock for their evening news, you would have seen porn in the background on the TV as she delivered the news. About the cricket players and their bats. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. 